Welcome to the Student Leadership Podcast, a series of conversations about working with students in and through the local church. My name is Brogan Hume. I'm your host today. I'm the student worker at the Belfry in York, and it's great to have you with us. Every week, we interview a church leader, missional thinker, or pioneer in student ministry, and we ask them about their story and what they're really passionate about. We also ask them about their area of specialism, something they have a real unique insight into. Today's guest is Ness Wilson, and we interview her about recognizing and raising up student leaders. Here's a clip of what's coming up on the show today. Whenever people step up and have a go, we've got a cultural feedback so that that every time somebody is stepping out, they can then improve for the next time. We have a menu of small opportunities. So as well as someone doing a a talk, um, we always have somebody do a three minute gospel presentation. So that's a great way of giving loads of people a little opportunity to craft a short talk, deliver it and then get feedback. It is a great interview and we would love to share it with as many people as possible. Do you have friends who are involved in leadership, either in the local church, working with students, or maybe in non-Christian organisations who would benefit from this content? We would love you to share it with them. Send them a link to this podcast or to our website, www.thestudentleadershipblog.com. And on that website, there'll be a blog to follow up with everything that Ness has been talking about in this interview today, including the links and the resources that she mentions. So do check it out, www.thestudentleadershipblog.com. Before we kick off, I just want to apologise that in the background of this recording, there seems to be some other noise from a seminar that was going on in an adjacent room. I do apologise for that. Uh, We've tried to EQ it out as much as possible, but there is a little bit. But keep going with it. It gets much better towards the uh, middle and the end of the episode. uh, And it is really great content. So please bear with us on that one. So without any more messing around, here is Ness Wilson talking about raising up student leaders. Welcome to the Student Leadership Podcast. We're joined today by Ness Wilson. Ness leads Open Heaven Church in Loughborough. She is also a core member of the Pioneer team, overseeing and strengthening churches in the Midlands. And she's also a champion for women in leadership at the Pioneer Network. Ness, thank you so much for being with us today. No problem, it's good to be here. So that's a bit of a uh, a formal introduction to uh, to all the work that you're doing. Can you tell us a bit about yourself and what drives you, what makes you tick? Um, well, I I love God's church. Um, I think I, I was kind of captivated when I was 15. Um, I felt I had a God encounter and a, a life first was given to me. Uh, 2 Timothy 4 verse 5, but you keep your head in all circumstances, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist and fulfil all the duties of your ministry. And I felt called into 
church, into church planting, church leadership, wrote off to loads of Bible colleges at the time. They all wrote back saying, you're too young, which of course I was. Um, and so I kind of went to university a bit by default. And then when I got to university, discovered all the second and third year Christians in my hall of residence had been praying specifically for 10 fired up freshers. And there were 10 of us. And we prayed our socks off in that first term and the number of Christians troubled. So week five, I had a friend, completely non-Christian background, came into my room and said, Ness, how do I become a Christian? Led her to the Lord. Week 10, two more friends came into my room, Ness, how do I become a Christian? Led them to the Lord and there were healings over the place. And, and then at the end of that first term, as we were caught up in this move of God, we went away on a, a, a Christian union weekend away and the speaker relayed a prophetic word and he said, uh, so he had been told he was about to meet a group of young people, which we were then, who were going to set up a church for young people in the Midlands. And so those of us that were caught up in this move of God, um, with fear and trepidation, decided to take ourselves as seriously as God was taking us. And so that's really, that's how then Open Heaven got planted. So I got involved in church planting at, at 21. Um, and and then I've been, I've been involved really then in church um, ever since so open heaven's got a couple of expressions um at the moment uh, they'll uh, i think there'll be more over time we run a messy church with a couple of other congregations in the town once a month and we've also sent a church planting team off to the nation of france there's a a, a flourishing church there in annecy and uh, just recently about nine months ago um sent a church planting team to anglesey in Wales so um, so my heart is raising up leaders to further God's kingdom through church planting um, that's brilliant that's what I've done yeah so that's that's what you've done that's the sort of the journey you've been on yeah um, and so can you tell us a bit about uh, what life looks like for you now a few years down the line from yes. that yeah so I guess my role now is much more of a kind of a coaching role mm-hmm. um so um both of the expressions of open heaven have got their own leaders and their own leadership teams so I'm the team leader of the sort of the, the senior leadership team um and yeah spends quite a bit of my time um really just serving those other leaders doing whatever I can to um to to strengthen what they're what they're doing what they're growing um and then now with having planted out a couple of churches there's um an oversight role there so that involves monthly Skype calls and going to visit them and and the uh, the churches that are growing and then within Pioneer Midlands um my role again is more of a sort of a coming alongside, serving, strengthening, supporting um, churches. So I run a, a leaders learning community where the leadership teams come together, and we d- we do a learning community style of um, you know making sure mission is the founding principle of everything that's going on, culture, vision, values, all those sorts of things. Um, so I I enjoy that. I love. I think there's something about um, success without successes is not really success. So I love the thought of being very intentional, of um, building into the lives of others and particularly building into the lives of other leaders. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. And so I'm going to ask you a bit more about that whole thing of the way that you raise up leaders. Because yeah. um, of all the churches that I've visited that work with students, uh, Open Heaven Loughborough is just right up there for raising up leaders and taking people from a place of very little 
leadership experience, but with an immense amount of anointing yeah. to seeing them flourish. And so yeah. we're excited to get your wisdom on that. Yeah. Um, but I want to sort of backtrack a little bit yeah. um, and ask about 18, 19 year old Ness turning yeah. up at university. Yeah. I think my question is, um, what was sort of your emotional response to being in a sort of very uh, almost intense and somewhat unique, I can't imagine that many freshers turn up and find there's a prophecy about their <laughs> 10 people in their friendship group. How did you sort of process that as a young leader? Well, the, the crazy thing was, obviously, when you turn up at university, you've got nothing else to compare it to. And so I... It was my norm. I sort of thought that this was university life. And it's obviously only looking back on it, I realised it was a very unique time. Um, but it's, I, I'm just so grateful for it. It kind of spoiled me for anything else other than living for um, people giving their lives to Jesus and discipling them. Because... I'd experienced it a little bit at school, so I had I led um, a couple of friends to, to Jesus at school. Um, so there's obviously, in terms of my sort of um, spiritual gifting mix, you know, evangelist and leadership is up there. So it really was just, it just, it, it, I'm so grateful for, for for turning up into that context. So it was heady days. It was. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I there was a there was a lot of time praying um, while people were asleep going around. <laughs> we kind of you know praying at people's doors. Um, the lunch hour when everyone was watching the the soaps back then, which will give away my age. Neighbours and Home and Away <laughs> was was my sort of god time of just I would because I was in this tower block so I could look out over campus so I would just then be be sort of interceding for campus so I I guess I learned a lot about prayer um all the things that I'd sort of read about evangelism prayer I guess I fast-tracked in them because I was doing them Mm. not just reading about them yeah um and ste- stepping out in, stepping out in, you know, praying for healing and seeing healings happen. Um, that's You've, yeah. You felt like you were fast tracked. Yeah, definitely. Almost. Yeah, yeah. I had a, a clear sense of feeling fast tracked. I, I remember, and that carried on for quite a while. I remember when I was um, maybe about twenty three, twenty four. So at, you know, the church had been planted for sort of two or three years, and um, just facing quite significant leadership challenges and I clearly remember feeling as though I feel like I've had like 44 years on the earth rather than 24 years (laughs) so I don't know it's just God's God's sovereignty God's plan of of somehow feeling someone had said to me Ness you concentrate on the depth of your ministry and God will concentrate on the breadth and I felt as though um I just very intentionally dug very, very deep in terms of um, knowing the Father, heart of God, knowing my identity in Christ um, and the spiritual disciplines, digging deep because I knew that there was a direct correlation between how deep I dug and how and how broadly, you know, it's God's job to, to, um, to be in charge of any influence or, or breadth of ministry. 
yeah. but it was my job to concentrate on the depth. Mm. So that's, I think, so, and probably the reality was I was probably, I still am, but probably a fairly intense person. So I'm passionate, I'm, enth- I'm an enthusiast. So I think because God got a hold of my heart, um, that all I am and all that I have is, is for him. Um, that's just kind of how I'm wired. I'm wired to be wholehearted. Um, and it, yeah, right from those early days, it, I was like, you've got all of me, my whole life. That's great. And obviously it's, it's absolutely fine to be 21, 22 and feel like you are the furthest away from being a fast-tracked leader yes. as possible. That yes. doesn't define what yeah. is going on going to happen in future in your life but for anyone who's listening who um, in humility recognizes that they are doing stuff beyond what other people their age are doing like planting a church at like 21 in your case um what advice would you have for those people who feel like they're on a on a fast track at the moment cultivate humility because I think the reality is if you are aware of God's hand on your life and you're aware of being fast-tracked, then it probably means that God knows there's a weight that he wants you to carry throughout your life. And if you are able to have a very well-developed sense of, you're God, I'm not. You're the creator, I'm the created. Um and cultivate a servant heart and humility, then I think God's able to do all that he longs to do through you. So again, I heard someone say when I was in my 20s, gifting opens doors, but character keeps you in the room. And over the years, I've seen a lot of gifted leaders um, and I've seen them walk through doors even have platforms and now 25 years in to the sort of uh, if you like the church world um, and at times the kind of the Christian circuit and seeing a lot of people come and go um, you get you get a greater and greater appreciation for those whose character has kept them in the room, has kept them in ministry, has kept them in leadership, has kept them serving um, serving God for his glory and serving people. And those people, um, I'm drawn to those people. I'm more impressed by character than I am by gifting because gifting is just given to us. Holy Spirit gives gifts, but character is built. And character is built bit by bit by bit through courage and good choices and hard work and determination. And so when I see a leader whose character matches up to their gifting, I know that hasn't just happened. I know that in a secret place, when they've probably faced number a number of crossroads of the easy route or the hard route, they've chosen consistently the hard route. Uh, because often the hard route is the right thing to do. So I think if you know you're being fast-tracked, I would encourage you to work really hard on your character so that, that it matches up to the gifting and the, the potential and the anointing that God has put on you and, and wants to build on. Um, That's really helpful. Yeah. What can I do as a student worker when I see someone who carries an anointing mm. 
but has yet to grow in the character. Mm. So I think talking about the importance of character matching gifting, I run a little um, leadership huddle for um, young female leaders. And one of the things that we, um, we use is a book called Habitudes. And its subtitle is The Art of Self-Leadership. And really, it's all about character. Um, and I deliberately do that in my leadership huddle. So all these young women are, are anointed, highly gifted in leadership and prophetic and different things. But the reason that I drill down with them into character um, is because I know if, if that can get built up, then um, they'll fly for the rest of their lives and character won't be the lid on their, on their gifting potential. So I think, so, so talking about it, um, when you huddle younger leaders together, actually drill down into what does character mean? What does it look like? How can we grow in it? How can we develop it? I would um, ask people's permission if I can um, give them feedback when I see either character that isn't matching up to who they are and who they're created to be or obviously when there are times where you just you see like humility or you see ruthless truth-telling or you see um, you know a commitment to integrity when you see it then then speak it out celebrate it um, yeah so I just think it's if you're if you're a student worker and you're looking at raising up other leaders have be as attuned to character as you are to gifting because gifting is much easier to spot. It's much more visible and obvious. But but go underneath and be more tuned to character. That's a really good word. And you used a phrase there, um, encouragement and celebration. And anyone who walks into your church just sees that f like from the off, that you're a place of encouragement where uh, gifts are celebrated. Can you tell us a bit about how you do that and, and how we can celebrate those gifts? that God places in people yeah. really well. Well, we, we run something um, called the Discovery Course, which we encourage all our students to do, so that ideally, within three years, every student um, does it. And it's essentially, um, it's a, the preparation work is questionnaires that get given out to friends, there's a self-assessment questionnaire, and then the whole day helps somebody work out what their top three spiritual gifts are. And so we then make sure that then those top three spiritual gifts um, are communicated then to the people who are discipling them, to small group leaders, and um, then those who are leading the student work or, or leading the, the congregation will also have a one-to-one -one kind of post-discovery interview to talk through with that individual. Oh, so you've discovered this about your top three spiritual gifts. Part of the day is where you discover what your core passion is and your personal style. And so then the conversation is, so, okay, in the light of what you've discovered about you and how God's wired you to be, how then might we be able to develop that in you? What opportunities would you like to be able to use these gifts? So we try very much in terms of how people serve, rather than it come from a, a, a rotor-based kind of vantage point or you know we've got these gaps and they, they need filling we try to come much more from a person-based approach which is what has God put in you and the reality is when people are serving out of their gifts they come alive it's sustainable if they're serving out of duty at the end of every term you get um, <laughs> a, a 
a fall off rate and you and you end up having to work very very hard to get volunteers or if it's coming more from what God's put in you then you get people who's serving and are flourishing and want to carry on doing it because they're fully alive that's really good so for those really practical obviously you know the office of prophet there's a whole spiritual gifting thing there yeah. um, but for the really practical you know being on chair stacking team yeah. and pack down team and yes. yeah. and and all the stuff that yeah that, you know that Needs we all do at some point and yeah. that really needs doing yeah um yeah how do you relate spiritual gifts yeah and that stuff so we talk about everyone's got their unique contribution and everyone's got their community contribution so your unique contribution is stuff that's directly tied in with your spiritual gifts and there are actually some people for whom, like, the, the practical gift of helps, um, you know, really actually does match some of the setting up, clearing up. But also what we say is just like in a family meal, whenever you come together, someone has to wash up, someone has to put the bins out, someone has to cook, someone has to look after the kids. And so there are times when we do come together that we all of us play our con- community contribution. We might not be spiritually gifted in it, but it's just part of being family. So that's one way that we kind of, um, I think, helpfully um, communicate to people that we all of us need to, on the whole, be operating out of our of, out of our gifts. But there has to be, at times, we're just mucking in and doing what needs doing. So that is quite useful terminology, unique contribution and community contribution. That's brilliant. I speak to quite a lot of student workers who will say something along the lines of, oh, it's so much harder to get people to engage with rotors or commit to stuff yeah. um, than it was when I was a student five or six years ago. Yeah. Uh, do you think that is actually something that's happening? Or do you think that's sometimes an excuse for not doing the discipleship work? <laughs> I think it's probably both. <laughs> so I think... Um... I think there is increasingly um, an opt-out culture, a lot to do with social media, um, that it's it's easy to opt-out. So this is going back into the dinosaur age. So when I was a student, there weren't mobile phones. So when you said yes to something, you couldn't opt-out because people were expecting you to turn up when you said you'd turn up and you'd be there. Because now it's so easy, last minute, to kind of like, oh, by the way, I've got caught up doing this or I can't come now that has created um, a, a lowering of the bar in terms of my yes is my yes, my no is my no, that I think it's, it's, it has lowered the ability to commit. So even like on a discipleship level, I say both to my kids and also to um, students, if you are someone who follows through on your commitments, you will stand out, stand out from your generation. And so I, I think... Um, speaking into the honouring of our commitments is actually a really is an important discipleship piece for this generation. But in that, I also think there probably is something going back to what we were talking about before of when people are serving out of their passions and their gifts, they're much more likely to turn up and um, and do what God's God's putting them to do. That's really good. So. Can you talk us through your process at Open Heaven of how you spot potential, how you raise up that leader, and how you release that leader? So first of all, I make it a really important part of 
of any leader's job to have the radar out to spot embryonic leadership gift in those that are turning up or, or coming through open heaven. So a regular question to our leaders of OH1 and our student worker is, who are the leaders? Who are the leaders? Who are the leaders? So because I'm asking that question, I'm keeping it live and I'm keeping it high on the agenda. Um, so that obviously then filters down so that those who are on the ground are looking with that filter of of where is their leadership so when we have we have kind of once a week we have a staff team meeting and so oftentimes particularly in the first term I'll be asking the questions who have you noticed who have you spotted and when I go to OH1 that will be my radar is where are the leaders um, and sometimes just out of discernment and God speaking I'll, I'll, um, I'll spot them and I'll just begin to pray into them speak it out over them encourage them so there's a mix of kind of spotting um, from more of a Holy Spirit intuition discernment and also some obvious kind of like oh well um, you know this person this person this person others are following them already within a matter of days and so you see it um, and so I also train up our leaders to see the characteristics that will often indicate leadership in someone so um, I I will notice when when someone speaks, are others tuning in and listening to them? I'll notice when someone prays, are the energy levels in the room, the faith levels in the room, going up? Um, I'll literally notice uh, a weekend away. I'm spotting our freshers and thinking, who on a physical level are other people following who's going into the meal times first and there's a line of people behind them all of those are indications of leadership um, so I train people up to spot the signs of leadership I, I, I also will train people up to, to spot those where there's the servant leadership that you can see because it's actually easier to put skills into a character of servant leadership than it is to put character into gifting you need to sometimes do it that way around but it's the easier way around if you spot the servant leadership so again I'm looking out for who is turning up early and putting chairs out without being asked who's staying around later and just getting up and washing up without being asked so a lot of it is noticing and then once you've noticed um, then we begin to talk about because in open heaven our culture is every student is offered one-to-one -one discipleship with with somebody of the same gender who's further on than than them so once we have begun to notice who the leaders are, the young leaders, we make sure that their discipler is someone who also has the gift of leadership. So that then one-to-one -one mentoring by a leader will obviously fast-track then our younger leaders. Um, and on top of that, we then have leadership huddles. So I run a leadership huddle. Joe, who leads OH1, runs a leadership huddle. Luke, who's our student worker, runs a leadership huddle. And so that's a way in which... You then have, um, well, for me, I go through this Habitudes book. So you've got a number of strands, really, of um, being good at spotting leadership. Particularly, I love spotting leadership in people who aren't maybe um, kind of typical leaders. So I love spotting leadership in um, young women and in those who maybe their personality might be quieter. 
or more introvert, it's easier to spot the extroverts. But I actually like looking under the surface and spotting the leadership in, in some of the quieter people. That's helpful. Yeah. What would you say to a student worker who says, I don't really see anyone who really looks that much like a leader, to be honest. Like, you know, some of them will help out, all of them help out, none of them help out, but none of them really stand out. None of them seem to raise the faith levels when they pray. What, what do you say about those kind of situations? I think there's always at least 10% of any group of people who have got leadership in them. Um, so if you, if you genuinely can't see it in anyone, then maybe I would ask um, another leader to come into the mix and spend a bit of time in that room with that group of people and see what they see. Because we all of us have people blindness. And so that's why I find it quite helpful to have almost like a team discussion. I feel like we've got lots of pairs of eyes that are looking out because there'll be some people that I won't see leadership in that another leader will. And so to get actually a few pairs of leaders' eyes into the mix can be helpful. Um, and the reality is, you know, if leadership at its basic level is defined as influence, everybody does have influence. So even if it's just a tiny little amount of embryonic leadership, I think you probably can find somebody within any group of 10 people. There'll be somebody with something that you can begin to fan into flame and develop. That's helpful. It's really good. In terms of the really practical, so the nitty gritty um, stuff now, if you are going to give us uh, three pieces of advice for someone who wants to uh, better raise up leaders, what do you think it might be? Ask God for greater discernment to spot leaders, number one. Number two, have a clear pathway of development in place. So if you don't have leadership huddles, start doing it. We also run a school of leaders. So um, again, and so we're this year, we're starting beginning of November. So that gives us a month to begin to spot who are the leaders who are joining us. And then they know that as well as the one-to-one -one discipleship, potentially the leadership huddles, there's a, a school of leadership that's open to anybody. So I, always, I also find that helpful. When we run schools of leadership, it's really interesting who comes. Because who comes is a great indication they've got something of a leadership gift in them. So if, they, if those people haven't been spotted yet, that's a fast-track way for us to spot them. Um, so if you haven't got any, any thought-through pathway of development, put something in place. You don't have to have written it. You can just pull it off the shelf, but just run something um, because what you do is you basically create a leadership culture. So you're creating a leadership engine. And the reality is leaders who have maybe at the early stages, they know they've got something of leadership about them. They will be attracted to church communities where that will be developed and they won't be attracted to church communities where there's no leadership pathways. So ask God for greater discernment so you can spot them. Create a leadership pathway because then you will attract leaders. Um, and then I think um, develop a really good culture of feedback. So again, one of the things that I think is probably a strength uh, of Open Heaven is that whenever people step up and have a go, we've got a culture of feedback. 
so that so that every time somebody is stepping out, they can then improve for the next time. So we have a menu of small opportunities. So like in OH1, as well as someone doing a, a talk, we always have somebody do a three-minute gospel presentation. So that's a great way of giving loads of people a little opportunity to craft a short talk, deliver it, and then get feedback. Or, you know, there might be all kinds of... Th- we, we think through the gathering and the different components. Get, get, get somebody to lead through... Um, you know, even even if it's doing the Bible readings or creative responses or um, breaking bread or different ways so that we get lots of little opportunities to give people a chance to participate um, and obviously leading small groups and club mission and different projects, but give them feedback. So those three, ask God for great discernment, create a leadership pathway, a cultural feedback. That's really impressive that you had those three and I just sprung that on you. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Very impressed. As a final question then, what is your great hope for leadership in this generation? What, What keeps you awake at night? What do you dream of this generation engaging with? I dream of revival amongst this generation and that people who are coming from backgrounds that would um, potentially disqualify them from leading a resilient life, that the gospel gets a hold of them and puts such strong backbone inside of them that they're able to really step up into the fullness of the calling of God on their lives. I am encouraged when I talk to people who've come from backgrounds, whether it's family backgrounds, whether it's addictions, whether it's mental health issues, and the gospel's got a hold of them, and you begin to see then that that transformation that means um, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. So, yeah, that. Amen to that. <laughs> Ness Wilson, thank you ever so much for your time today. That's fine. We are so grateful to Ness for her time in giving us this interview. To follow up on everything that Ness was talking about today, head to our blog, www.thestudentleadershipblog.com. On that blog, you can find links to the resources that Ness was talking about and some more thoughts and reflections from us. Thank you ever so much for listening. We hope you have a great couple of weeks serving and blessing university students in this country. Production support on this episode comes from Josh Allen and music is by Argo Fox and Vexcento. It is licensed under Creative Commons.